for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Look, if you're going to hunt solo, mano y mano, you better have your crap together. That includes our other two solo type scenarios as well. Sure, there's some benefits to being all on your lonesome, but there can be some drawbacks as well. The key is in knowing what those drawbacks are, understanding and being ready for them. On tonight's part two of our solo elk hunting series, the benefits and difficulties for each of our solo scenarios. Those topics along with our Elk Bros shout outs in today's Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com with your host, Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas. The host for your show coming to you from Spring, Texas, and from New Mexico, our elk hunting coach, Joe Gillia. Hey, Gilbert. <laughs> How's it going, brother? Oh, a little under the weather over here, man. Oh, man, I hope we ain't got no corona or Dos Equis virus, huh? <laughs> Dos Equis virus, that's what I got over <laughs> here, man. Oh, my god. And I tell you, Joe, this country's in a state of pandemonium. Uh, it, no yes, intended. it is. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to give everybody some normalcy here, man. We're going to yes, take them into L camp. We're going to kick our feet up. We're going to, I might cough a little y'all, but I, I think we have our, what, what do they call that? Uh, that what distance, uh, 
uh, social distance or social distance. <laughs> yeah, I've got that going social on, man. Isolation, something, <laughs> man. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm I'm pl- proud to be walking, uh, rocking the look at there. Bag. Got a little t-shirt on too here. Yeah, uh, I will show you the back, but that give that that kitty cult leader over there and Katie a little bit too big a head. You know, I told you, Joe, when you, when you give one of these to Manano or to, to Luis, you got to make sure you give him the, the big <laughs> hole for his head. Cause when it goes over it, it's just going to fall straight to the floor. Joe. <laughs> I mean, that old big headed rascal. Uh, no, all, uh, all, kidding aside these are fantastic shirts y'all did a fantastic job with this stuff oh Joe. thanks man yeah uh i enjoyed packing yours up and shipping it off to you that was pretty yeah and, cool. and i'll give a uh a shout out here to uh to the lady that did it here in, in uh, houston texas mm-hmm. uh miss brandy butler um with uh absolute Ob- sports absolute i got you sports yeah there you go thanks thanks joe it's absolute sports uh-huh. here in spring texas uh, Brandy Butler and her staff does a fantastic job. She does a lot of stuff for our softball program and she hooked Joe up and, yep. um, it's been fantastic running with those people. First, sure. first series, man, historical event, Brandy put it together for us. So that's awesome, man. And, uh, uh, we want to welcome everybody to this part two of our solo series, uh, Gilbert. And I, you know, I bet when a lot of guys went on last week and they said, Oh, solo archery hunting. And then we started talking about groups and we talked about partners. <laughs> They're like, yeah. what the heck? I thought these guys are talking solo. So <coughs> I, I really, really hope that everybody understands that. And I want to be clear that there is solo and there are solo techniques that having that skill set. That's what will allow you to be ready and successful in any scenario, whether you're going to be out there, like you said, mano y mano, man. Right. If you're Jeremiah Johnsoning out there uh, or if you're having to uh, – if you can have the best of both worlds, that's a great part of it. And we're going to talk about the pros and cons here a little bit. Uh, but you can do that. You can be with the group and then you can hunt solo. And there are times I guarantee because it's been that situation with me, you can be with people and still need those solo skills. If you're going to get an animal as well called into you, or if you've got a partner that you're right on their hip belt and calling an animal in, you are actually using solo skills to be able to do that. So all of these are real important to this message and trying and what we're trying to, uh, convey out here. And so next week, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk about the plans, having plans in place for the various aspects of a solo hunt, because we're going to talk about the benefits and difficulties tonight, bro. And then we're going to talk to and give people a plan to overcome those difficulties. And then the Coupe de Gracie is going to be on part four, man. Part four is going to be the solo hunting and calling strategies. So, Ooh, man, that's when we dive into the meat and potatoes. Yeah. Uh, but, you no, know, everybody's <laughs> in for a really good series here. It's going to be some really great content that Joe and the boys are going to drum up for you. So y'all keep your bootstraps on and uh, and stay tuned for sure. Yes, sir. You betcha. Well, Joe. You know what time it is, brother. Shout out. It's time for the Elk Bro Shout Out. out. If you're new to the show, these are just a shout outs to our few cities with most listeners topping our charts this week. Yes, sir. Up first, this unincorporated town of Las Vegas. Man, it seems like, is, is it just me? 
Or are we always talking about a town around Las Vegas, man? Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of listeners in that area. That's it, awesome. It's, it's crazy. This unincorporated town of Las Vegas is built on land previously occupied by the Stardust International Raceway and is the home of tennis players Andre Agassi, Steffi Graf, as well as former Sacramento Kings owner George Maloof. And I don't know if you've ever seen this comedian before, man, but this guy just rolls me. Comedian Carrot Top. This oh, guy, yeah, man. Carrot Top. Carrot Top's old. from back in the day now. Oh, he's hilarious, man. Also, if you visit the Chinatown Plaza in Las Vegas, you are actually in our top listeners location for this week. You are in Spring Valley, Nevada. Yeah. Spring Valley, Nevada. Man, they must be a whole bunch of little cities incorporated around yeah. around Las Vegas. Kind of like Houston. You know, we yeah. got it. You got Katy, you got uh Kingwood, you got Spring, you got Tomball. All those cities yeah. are incorporated around Houston area. That make it up, right? Yeah. Spring yeah. Branch. I mean the woodlands, you name it, that make it up for sure. Yeah, it's 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 funny. You get the benefits without paying the taxes of, so that kind of helps. Yeah. No doubt. Well, cool. Well, next up, Joe, Shawnee and Osage Indians formed, formerly owned the land and developed into our next city. Now it's the bedroom community for families living in the greater Kansas city metro area. Right. So, and Mm -hmm. if you do visit and find the need for incredible Mexican food, we hear that the place to go is Cacao Cacao yeah. Restaurant, and the name uh, for the cocoa bean. Uh, so that's what it's named after. I, yeah. I guess the Cacao uh-huh. Restaurant. Cacao. Right. The focus here is uh, what is referred to as the electric foods of Mexico. Dishes from. Uh, the regions as diverse as Puebla, the Yucatan, Guadalajara, and uh, you can find uh, that flavor here in none other than Prairie Village, Kansas. Prairie Village, man. You know, it's funny. You don't think about going to Kansas to get good Mexican food, you know? <laughs> you know, I fished in Lake Milford one time, and there was a good Mexican restaurant there, and uh, it was just outside of Lake Milford there. And I can't remember the name of it, but the guy was from actually from Sinaloa. And oh, wow. uh, he'd come to Kansas uh, and started a Mexican food restaurant. And man, he had some heck, you know, some really good Mexican food there. Wow, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I say. The, they say the place to go is here is that cacao, man, for, you know, if you want that. And don't go there thinking you're just going to get tacos and burritos, that they're, they're really into that, uh, that cultural upscale eclectic food man so uh pretty cool up next french for beautiful city our next listener city became known as the stove capital of the world also the first brewery in illinois was established here in 1868 and gustave oh my gosh gustave golitz (laughs) founded the candy company that is known today for making the jelly belly jelly beans right here in Belleville, Illinois. Belleville, Illinois in the house. Yes, sir. Jelly beans. Wow. (laughs) My grandpa loved jelly beans, man, especially the black ones. It kind of tasted like licorice. Licorice. Yeah. 
<clears throat> you know, <Yeah>. Joe, <clears throat> you threw me a tongue twister there a minute ago. I had electric, and it's eclectic. <laughs> eclectic, right? yeah. So, you know, this old cowboy knows what eclectic is, but well, I really like it when it's electric. Okay? Well, well, I I hope somebody would ever explain to me what eclectic is, man, because I I I I, I was standing up better. That's with another electric. show, Joe. That's another show. Maybe we can do it on something like that, right? <clears throat> And uh, y'all, please uh, bear with me, too. Like I said, I just getting over this bug, whatever it is. It seems like last year was the same time that year last year, right? Yeah. One man saw these pollens popping out and stuff like that, getting our allergies in an uproar. Yeah. All right. You're up. Next up, Joe, on our next town, received its royal charter on July 21st, 1761. At one time, the pine trees here were so tall and straight, they were reserved and used as masts on the ships of England and the Royal Navy. Hmm. But today, when warm weather hits, you can join hundreds of others cruising the amazing natural lazy river in Vermont. Grab a tube and travel thousands of feet down the White River and join Vermont's beauty in days gone by in Stockbridge, Vermont. Stockbridge, Vermont. Thank you, all you people listening out there in Vermont, man. Uh, it's amazing to me. We, we continue to have people from all over the place that are, that are listening to this podcast. It's just so cool, Gilbert. Yeah. I, it, it's just awesome, man. Well, it ceases to amaze me, the cities and towns that pop up, you know? Yeah. And you know, what's so funny is that white river that they talk about it. I actually, this next city I'm getting ready to mention also mentioned the white river going by. So I'm kind of I'm curious if it's the same one, if they connect, if it, you know how that goes. So sure. let me just go. Last but not least, this city shares a border with Indianapolis and is the most populous suburb in the southern portion of the Indianapolis metropolitan area. But if you're in this neck of the woods come August, you got to go check out the rocking great time at Wham Fest. Wham Fest. And that's what two M's, <laughs> Wham Fest. Yep, Wham y'all. Fest. It's all about wine, arts, music, and microbrews. Shop booths for unique arts and crafts and rock out to up and coming bands in Greenwood, Indiana. The Indiana people show up, man. That's awesome. You know, all these Eastern states and everything are showing up, man. The elk are starting to move out that way. You know, Kentucky's got a good herd, Pennsylvania's got a good herd. It's fantastic for all, you know, Illinois and Vermont and all those states out there around Pennsylvania, New York, and all those And it's a good thing, too, man, because a lot of these Western states are getting a little more um, uh, choosy about giving out their tags. So, yeah. Well, I hear it's not real easy to get a tag up in Pennsylvania or Kentucky either. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, we just keep putting in people, you know, you never know when you draw that coveted tag, be ready to go. Yep. There we go. Well, Joe, you know, last week we talked about three types of solo scenarios. Yeah. You know, first there's the all by your lonesome. I mean, you know, no one, not even your mama. (laughs) Nobody's there to help you solo. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, And there are those guys with a group at camp. Yeah. They're out hunting solo. Uh, And then those guys with a partner or others, but they have to use, you know, solo tactics 
to call in a bull for themselves. Right. Absolutely. And then let's talk about the benefits and difficulties when it comes to each one of those solo scenarios. Yeah. We talked about last week. Yeah. Cause hunting solo is something, you know, it's, it's so unique Gilbert. And, and really a lot of people think about, yeah, this romantic thing, go hump, hunting solo, but dude, you have to have a passion for it because when you're out there solo, dude, you truly find out, or reaffirm things about yourself, man. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, I, we just put on, uh, I just put a thing out on Instagram the other day that says, if you, you know, when I go elk hunting, uh, I find, I, I find something else out about myself uh, along those lines. And, and that's a fact because you got to really have a passion to be a solo hunter because it is, you know, it's not as easy, man. I mean, th- there's a lot of things that you have to overcome when you're out there solo hunting. So uh, I think it's important that we talk about these difficulties and we talk about the benefits. And and I want everybody to understand that these are going to be relative according to each person because we all bring something to the table. Some of us are comfortable as heck being in the woods. It doesn't matter whether it's day, night, bad weather, good weather. But uh, that's going to depend, man. It's going to depend on your ability level. It's going to depend on your mental and physical conditioning. Now you notice I put both of those in there because, no you know, when you're by yourself, I mean, when you and I are out there and it gets tough, you always got somebody that's kind of, you know, saying, you know, helping you out. Let's go, bro. You know, yeah. uh, pushing you, you along when you're ready to throw in the towel. Yeah. Right. But yeah. when you're all by yourself, man, you, you gotta be solid mentally. And if you're not solid physically, it makes it even harder on your mental state, you know? So, uh, you, you got to think about that when we talk about this is that that solo scenario is a little different for each person. And we're going to start talking about the benefits and difficulties of being totally solo first. And then we're going to kind of bring in how that changes and how it's mitigated with the other scenarios, you know? And, uh, I think I'll handle, uh, the, the benefits and, and if you can think of some of the difficulties, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start out there. What, what would you say is the, is the first difficulty? It's just you, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Just you. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the dude, that's hard job. You know, uh, it's all about you. You know, you would, you have a limited skill set, you know, getting, cl- you know, getting into an animal that's in close, I mean, right, right. It, it close enough for a shot, you know, right. being a single collar and shooter. I mean, that's a tough deal. Yeah, that's absolutely. Because now, you know, you always hear people talking about the classic hang up, right? Mm-hmm. that bull now I, I want all of our listeners to understand that, is that we have answers for these and we have a plan to overcome some of these but that's you know the plan is going to come in the next one and we're really going to talk about like when we start talking about calling uh and our calling strategies we're going to tell you how to beat that but that's that's a one of the difficulties there is that you're you're the only caller and so all on you yeah it's all on you you don't have somebody back there 30, 40, 50, 60 yards to steer that bull by you. It's up to you to bring that in there. And depending on your skill set, like Gilbert says, man, uh, it's just you. So you're going to, your success and your ability to close a deal is going to be limited by your skill set. 
And so on the other side of that, Gilbert, the benefits, the bro, benefit, yeah. yeah, the benefits is it's just you too. No doubt. <laughs> That's right. You it's know, <laughs> emismo. Yeah, it's the yeah. same. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing is when you're by yourself you've got that freedom man. You you get to make all decisions when how where you're going to hunt uh you know what you're going to eat when you're going to eat what you're going to drink when you're going to drink when you're going to sleep you know all of this is on your own time. You're it's not a democracy anymore, you know. Right. <laughs> it's uh uh but again, it goes back to that other side there, you know, like you said, you know, there's some things that, uh, that can make that difficult as well. But that's, it's, it's sometimes when you don't have to deal with other people there, it just has such a freedom to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that, that's a huge benefit that you have all that. Yeah. You know, I, I think, no doubt there are pros and cons to both. Right. <clears throat> but anytime you can get out in the woods, if it's only you, then I mean, it is what it is. You've right. got to, you've got to make hay while the sun's shining. You got to get yourself close and then you got to close the deal, you know? Right. And, and look, you know, another one of the difficulties, they don't call it alone for nothing. You know, <laughs> and, and, you know, can you be mentally tough? Yeah. Right. There's no one there to keep pushing you. You know, like in our camp, there's nobody there to keep pushing you, keep encouraging you, you know. So beating back some, you know, some of your fears that you may have may be pretty difficult. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely right, man, because I, I don't know if you've ever been out uh, in the woods by yourself. You know, probably day one might not be so bad, but day three, you know, you're out there all by yourself. You know, you're in the dark. and you know what? Fear is a healthy thing, Gilbert. I mean, fear sure. is what is what helps us to make the right decision sometimes not to do yeah, something a healthy stupid. amount of it. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. But it also can be something that can start to freeze you up and it can, oh, start it can to, debilitate you for sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you know, another one of the, the difficult things is you, you got to slow down at night, you know, right. You, be much more methodical. Um, R- I, you know, there's just so many things in that little, and in, in that little box that can can work against you. But there are some really good things about that as well, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. I I just wanted when you said though, uh, they don't call it alone for nothing. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you watch that show alone. Have you? Seen oh yeah, that? yes, sir. You know, and and when I these are people that have incredible skill sets. skill sets yeah incredible i mean these are survivors these are people that can go out there and they can survive they they understand things about the force i only wish i knew right yeah. but they end up tapping out and you know what the number one reason is they tap out all What's mental it's oh all yeah man it's not physical 90 percent of the times they can't deal with the mental stuff yeah you know they can't yeah. deal with the little things that mount up into a big thing you yeah. know, and, uh, and it, it's not just one thing, you know, they'll have a whole bunch of things that'll, that are little, but right. they'll stack up into a big thing and they can't push past it. So you gave a difficulty. I'll give another benefit. Sure. Uh, here's another benefit of, uh, being solo, no timelines, right? It's like, I don't know if, if you've noticed, but like when you're with somebody, it's like th- you can, you can feel this pressure that, you need to be back at camp by lunchtime or you need to be back at camp before it gets dark or 
Um, we need to be from point A to point B by a certain time. Um, you know, so that's the great thing is if you're hunting solo, you don't have those same timelines, man. It's just whatever you are feeling, you can do that. Now, I, I will say this, though. Even though you don't have the have those timelines, it is important for you to leave a hunt plan with somebody and stick to it. I mean, you got to make sure that you give somebody locations, dates of the, your time in and the time that you're heading out because – yeah. Safety is the most important thing. Right. And again, we're going to talk about that on our plan uh, when we get there. But I, I want people to understand that. Yeah, you're on your own timeline. And, and there are people that just fall off the face of the earth. But when you do that, you're taking a big chance. And, and if you're somebody that's all alone, that you're not, you have no responsibilities, you don't have family, and oh, that's all good and stuff. But, you know, if you got mama and the kids at home, you got some things and that, that you really need to make sure you're taken care of to give them peace of mind as well. Well, sure. Cause you got a responsibility to, to take care of them. You right. Know? I mean, yep. when we started having a family and having kids, it wasn't about me anymore. It was about taking care of them. I'm just blessed to be able to get out in the woods for five, 10 days and go chase these critters. My family allows me to do that to kind of be a better dad. You know, right. um, it's one of the things that I just do for myself. And, uh, so at the end of the day, you know, I want to make sure they're comfortable uh, with that and they know what, what's going on. I mean, Joe, you know, I have a sat phone. So, I mean, we uh, can always get in touch with somebody as long as we got good, good, uh, you know, view of the sky. We can get in touch with somebody if we need them. Right. Uh, but then we'll talk more about that stuff, like you yep. said. Absolutely. Like, it's going to come up. So here's <laughs> another difficulty. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, one of the difficulties that I saw real quick when, uh, when we started hunting together and we had success was no doubt if you're by yourself, brother, gutting and quartering and breaking down an animal is a, is a huge chore. I mean, so this actually gives me a chance because, um, there was actually a question that came in on our elk bros mailbox from, uh, Ryan Wietrich from, uh, Temecula, California. Is that how you say that? Temecula? Yeah. Temecula. Temecula, California, and he asked that exact question because he said, um, you know, uh, he said these elk are large animals and can't be hard to move, let alone process. Maybe you guys have had some of the same experiences. Can you share them or go over any tips on moving or breaking down an elk on your own? And, yeah. you know, as, as a guide, I've had to break <clears throat> down a lot of elk by my, even though I have somebody there. A lot of times it's basically to hold a hoof. So what I would tell like Ryan and when we're, when we're talking about something like this is you're absolutely right. This is one tough thing to do is gutting and breaking down an animal by yourself because, you know, you're figuring six to 80 pounds, one of them quarters there. Easy. Yeah. About Easy. that, you know, um, uh, a shoulder can probably go 40, 50, but uh, when you're talking a that hand, quarter. hind quarter, can be up to 100 pounds. To 100 pounds, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, that can get tough. And the hard part is, is when you're trying to do this stuff and you're trying to get it out of the way so that you can be responsible to get all the meat off, you know? It is definitely difficult. I, again, you know, we'll talk more about the preparation on how to be prepared yeah. to do those kinds of things, but it's <clears> extremely <throat> difficult, you know, and then 
also, you know, in some of our areas, we got to be aware of predators, you know, uh, yeah. some areas more than others. We got grizzly bears, wolves, coyotes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you name it. They, anything that hits ground, that has got bloodshed on it. You know, it's a kill or be killed world out there in the woods. Yeah, that's the hard thing about being by yourself is if I'm working an animal, I'm not able to have my eyes behind me. So that's something for those guys to think about. They're going in those types of areas, you know, when they're doing that. But I wanted to add, uh, I kind of went off the air there for a second, Gilbert, and you filled in that's for right. me because I'm over here coughing. But, you know, uh, I, I wanted to make sure that I told Ryan that uh, the biggest part of doing <laughs> that is basically trying to get a leg so it's held up just like they've gone to when you take a look at all of the uh type of uh clothing that is out there now um this extreme clothing this uh this high quality stuff that people are buying it's all based from and comes from mountaineering clothing and i would tell you that some of the answers for doing this elk by yourself comes from mountaineering too you can get some of those carabiner gadgets that you can tie a rope off and you can get it on a hoof and you can pull it up on a limb so that it's not going to go down you can pull it off to the side it'll lock that rope as it's pulling it through and there's some small ones that are very light they're not they're not cheap pieces of gear because they're specialty items but i tell you what for a lone guy out there you can get one of those and tie off uh, one of those legs and pull it and being able to keep it out of the way. And then when it needs to cut off that you have that to help you, you know, uh, hoist it up, uh, they can be, they can be lifesavers too. So I would say, look into some of that. Um, even just a little pulley system, something that's light that can go inside your pack to help you out when you're by yourself, man. Yeah. And for me, keeping my meat clean is kind of paramount it's, for me. Yeah, so I always carry cheesecloth with me. Um, you know, you can find it pretty inexpensive, uh, and, and put it in your pack. It doesn't weigh a whole lot. Uh, and when you can get your meat put in one of those cheesecloths, it just keeps it clean of debris and stuff like that. Right. And then, you know, um, that's the most important thing when you, when you're getting to breaking one down, you want to get him to where it's clean. And of course, Joe does a method too, where you don't have to have cheesecloth. You leave the skin on him and you skin him when you get back to camp. I yeah. like that. I mean, you just need a one, maybe one che- cheesecloth to put your neck meat and, and uh, backstrap in on uh, tenderloin. But other than that, I mean, we, you leave the hide still on the, the shoulders the, and the The hands. difference though, Gilbert, is, is, is I'm usually within close proximity of a four wheeler where I can right. get to it with multiple guys. And so that's just to keep it clean till we get it. And we're going to get it back to camp in no time. We're going to have that skin off. Yeah. If you're out there and you're two miles away from camp, they're going to have to get that skin off. They're going to have to get that hung yep. and they have to get it cooled off. So, that's right. uh, but in order to handle, help you handle that animal, you got to make sure you have rope. I, like I said, I'd look into some mountaineering equipment. I'd look into small pulley system myself. Very I cool. usually just tie it off. I'll tie a leg, pull it to a sapling, tie yep. it out over there and, and tie and it off to a to big go. rock. Yep. Um, you know, paracord's good. It's light. Yep. It's really strong. Um, and, you know, I carry a Gerber knife, I mean, a, a Gerber little hatchet type uh, with me, and then I have uh, a Havilon knife that's got multiple blades. But uh, whatever uh, you do when you're doing it, man, um, you, you need to be aware if you're in predator country. Now, no doubt. on the benefit side of that, um, I, I want to talk about the fact 
stripped of the sense of accomplishment uh, of being on solo. Now, uh, Gilbert, before I get too far, like when we when we talked about each of these, like when we talked about the limited skill set, now again, we're talking about totally solo now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if you start to include some of those other scenarios, like for example, let's take the "it's just you" part. Yeah. Well, the difficulties is it's just you, right? But <laughs> if you are hunting solo in a group, now some of those difficulties get lightened up, right? Uh, you, if, if you get, uh, an animal down or something like that, you're going to have a little bit of help. If you're having yeah. trouble finding animals, you got other people in camp that might be seeing animals someplace else. Uh, but at the same time, uh, some of those freedoms can be lost a little bit because, you know, if you're in that group, those guys, you got to have a communication. They might be worrying if you don't show up by a certain amount of time. So there's got to be communication with that. And, uh, so in, in each of these difficulties, I, I, I got to remember to kind of go back and touch up how it works out in those other scenarios uh, as well. And like right. when, when you said you're all alone, uh, when you're by yourself, yeah, it's like that. But it's cool. It's really cool when you're with a group and you're hunting alone. You might be camping together and hunting alone because now you get back and you got that camaraderie. Uh, you're not totally alone in that situation. Or if you're in that situation where you are with a buddy, but using solo tactics, again, that kind of mitigates some of that stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole thing with the timelines. It, anything that is extreme when you're by yourself is going to lighten a little bit when you're adding other people into your equation, whether it's a partner, whether it's a group. But at the same time, it can make things a little bit more complex. Like uh, you said, gutting, breaking down the animal by yourself. Like we were saying, Ryan, man, it's just all you. And that can be a difficult task. <clears throat> but if you're where you can hunt alone, you can get that animal. You can get it started, get back and get help from camp. Man, it, it just really benefits everything as far as that goes. And again, we're going to talk about plans for that as well. But the benefit I was going to get to was the sense of accomplishment. And I would say for most guys that go on a solo hunt, this is probably their number one reason to know that, you know what? I just hunted the most difficult Western animal there is, the icon of the West. I, I got on it. I took it. And I got it out all on my own. Yeah. You know, and that, um, that, that feeling of accomplishment of knowing that you could do something like that, man, I, I, you feel like, Gil, you feel like you can accomplish anything, man. Yeah. You feel like Genghis Khan. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it's, there is a huge sense of accomplishment, especially, <laughs> like we put in last year where we, you know, we were just spent when we got back to camp. I yeah. mean, been rocking for two days straight, ain't had any sleep other than just a little bit of nap time. But other than that, we toting elk out of the woods. And I mean, you know, we come back into camp and we got one more to go, you know, and they're like, Oh my God. And it wasn't an easy pack out, you know, uh, it wasn't a real long one, but man, I mean, the terrain that we had to haul him through is really tough, you know, which, comes into the next, you know, difficulty is, you know, packing him out, Joe. 
I oh, mean, yeah. you know, meat care time, you know, your time can be very limited, you know, sure. and then, and then you got to be real careful because, you know, if you're in bear country, you know, you got to be careful when you return back to you, like we did, we waited until we ate dinner that night and then mm-hmm. came back. Mm-hmm. You know, if you return into a kill at night, I mean, bears will bed down next, next to their claim kill, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, everybody's got to be aware of something like that. You got to make sure you're really noisy going back. You, yeah. you don't want to go in there. Uh, and uh, silent. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go in there silent, but if you're by yourself, man, packing out one of those critters, it's going to take a while. Ooh. I mean, if, if you're, and, and again, when we get to our, uh, we get to our plan, uh, number one thing on our plan that I talk about, you don't want to be in, in any further than three miles. Uh, yeah. if you're going to have to pack a critter out by yourself, that's just how I feel about it. Now there's guys that have gone on in five miles and done that, but you know, you figure getting out all those quarters. I mean, I don't know how, you know, in rough terrain, five miles is, you know, two hours. Uh, it's, it's, it's a ways. It's going to, it's going to be a two day ordeal and you yeah. better be in cool weather. So yeah. that's something to think about for the time of year. Again, you got to have a plan like that. So that is, that is the tough part. Now, again, if you're hunting solo, that's real tough. If you're hunting solo by yourself, but you're camping with a group, you yeah. Can- help on that get some help you know i would say joe on our planning part we'll talk more about that but there are there are businesses out there that'll help you come pack your animal absolutely and that's going to be you can you can invest in that so yeah absolutely especially if you know you're going to be a good distance away from where you're camping most of the time you know a lot of guys now are putting uh, alpacas together and horseback and this that and other but there are actual companies out there that'll come uh, pack your elk out for you you know, that's absolutely true. Yep. And, you know, uh, the it, it's kind of cool. You watch some of those guys are using goats and everything like that, you know. <laughs> but but even at that, think about it. You're going to have to pack some meat out or your yeah. gear. Go yep. get all that. Get all the way back in there and do mm-hmm. that. So you got to have a plan, and, and we'll talk about it on the next time. So let's go on the plus side. You know, one of the big things in, in – uh, uh, I'm going to actually throw a couple of these together. A big thing that's a plus on there is when I'm by myself hunting, there's less scent, there's less noise, there's no one to blow up a situation. It's just me. It's all on me. Like like you talked about before, you know, about the skill set. Well, mm-hmm. it, it's the same thing here. Now I've got a little bit less to worry about for me to be able to get in on an animal. And mm-hmm. uh, especially... Uh, you know, if if I'm in that situation and there's a lot of uh, critters in the woods, or I've got uh, I've got to worry about the thermals and stuff, I don't have to worry about signaling somebody else. I don't have to worry about somebody else stepping on a a, a stick or or doing something to draw attention. So that's definitely a benefit of being by yourself. You just have less to worry about, less uh, opportunity for other people to blow things up. One of the other difficulties I've been thinking about too, Joe, is just locating elk you know going to be difficult by yourself no doubt uh when you got a couple of different guys you may be hunting in a group they might be able to help you find something you know right but man when you're by yourself locating them i mean it's it's tough there's only one set of ears one set of eyes you know you're yeah, going to be in one place it's all up time. to you right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so again that gets mitigated the more and you know if you're one of those people that 
and you're hunting in an area where you bump into other people and you start talking to them, right. You know, you can get some help there, but, uh, being able to maximize your hunting opportunities, you better have a plan for that. So locating elk can be real tough if you're all by yourself because it's just you, but you get nobody else unless you're not living in a vacuum. There are people you can talk to. Yeah. I mean, look, you're going to encounter, if you're hunting public land, which tons of us do, uh, you're going to encounter people, you know, it can, you can either take that one or two ways. I remember early on in my hunting career of hunting, uh, public land and stuff like that, man, it used to grind on me a little bit running in now. Heck, it's a welcome deal. Hey, man, how's it going? You know, we're just another 250 yards away from running into something. I mean, we're in the woods with the critters. Uh, They're going to be around us. We've done our homework, our, you know, pre-scouting, done all the things that we think that we we can do. We've scouted the area and went, looked at all the sign, and now it's just time for us to put the boots on the ground and make it happen. Well, on the Joe Benefit side, Gilbert, Yes. Uh, one thing to think about is too, is that I, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the difference between you. Well, I don't know, man. I kind of look at your truck and look at those Venezuelan mafias when they load <laughs> up, man. Oh, but, man. but really when you're hunting solo, the, the amount of gear needed, you don't need as much space. And, and a lot of times those solo guys, they're going to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. If you do our plan, you actually have kind of two camps going on. You got your yeah, base, base camp, camp and then you got your back camp so that you can uh, hunt with your camp on your back, right? Sure. And, uh, and, and that's, that's great. You know, that all goes along with that, you know, with the timeline thing. You don't have to worry about telling people and being back a certain place. You can hunt with your camp on your back. You can move with the elk. You can be with the elk at certain places. But your your gear needs are limited. But I tell, listen, guys, you guys that are going to hunt by yourself, here's the one thing though. I I know I'm not I'm supposed to be on the plus side here, but yeah, your gear is limited. But you had better double check everything that you have and make sure it's working. I mean, if you guys are depending on uh, getting your water out of a creek or something like that, and your filters not working for you, you're oh, screwed. Yeah, you're sick. Yeah, if you're going to be using dried foods and you're going to use your your little uh, your little stove out there and it doesn't work, you're out of luck. And you know, it's like you were talking about, Gilbert. Um, if I'm going to be by myself and and I use a release, I better yep. have two releases two. because if something happens to what my one, mm-hmm. I mean, my whole hunt is dependent on that release yeah. if that's all I practice with, right? So. Uh, you know, it's, it is so critical, uh, even though my gear is going to be limited that I got to take, I better make sure that it works for me, especially, but if the weather starts to go south. Oh yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's super important for you to battle test that gear too. You know, if you're going to get, if you're going to hunt with something, you better use it. Uh, you know, if you're going to go, go use a brand new backpack you better put it on your back and walk around with it for a little while you want to buy you a new pair of boots go break them in you know all of those things need to come into you understanding what your gears capabilities are you know you buy you set a new a little bit of uh, rain gear or whatever and it's you know you hadn't tried it out man put it on in the rain walk outside in it see if it's going if i am a solo on my own jeremiah johnson hunter uh, I had better use that gear 
before I ever went on an elk hunt. I'm just telling you, man. Because if you're if you're putting boots on for the first time, the blisters that are going to happen. If if you haven't broken and used that camp gear and understand it and can set it up in the dark, you're setting yourself up for problems. Okay, Joe, you gotta have great more. gear. Joe, okay. tell you a little bit more in the next series about the gear that you use and how to make dang sure that you use it before you go in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. No, on the difficulty side, Joe would be you know our safety net, you know, uh, weather, navigation, our communication, you know, and our, our really our protection, you know, right. and then, you know, disaster recovery. I mean, yeah, yeah. gotta be, gotta be real careful and cautious in certain situations, you know, you know, definitely. Cause if you're safe. by yourself, man. Yeah. Yeah. If you're by yourself, man, you're that, that safety net is you're it. That's it. You know, weather goes and wrong. your gear. Yeah. yeah. Weather goes wrong. It's you, you yeah. know, you have trouble with your navigation. It's you, you know, you had better have uh, a plan uh, for that stuff because, you know, you have to, you, you know, you're not going to want to start running up and down logs. You're not going to want, I, I always, I think back to Bear Gryllis, man. I watch that show and I, and look, I love Bear Gryllis, all right? Uh, right. This is not a downer on him, but you know that's a survival show, and I always see the first thing is they jump out of a helicopter, go rolling down the hill, jump off a rock, and you know the the whole thing is is, is in a survival situation. Number one is to make sure you don't get injured. So uh, that's like all of you guys when you are solo. The the difficulty of that is you've got to make sure that you do things in a cautious and a careful manner in certain situations. You got to pick your terrain more carefully. Uh, you've got to do, uh, you got to be diligent, man, because out there you have an accident. It's just you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the other thing, Gilbert, we got to make sure we include when we talk about our plan, we need to talk about um, what you need as far as your first aid kit you know, as far as that goes as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the, the, on the beneficial side though, to doing this solo is hunt planning is so much easier. The, the toughest part of hunt planning is getting, when you're talking with buddies or friends is you getting everybody at the same time, you know, shoot y'all, y'all to see our camp. I bet we have three or four of every dang thing. Yeah, because everybody's got two of everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we end up with more crap. Well, and, and look, got good luck, good on us. I mean, I think the only couple of things we've ever ran short of is ice because <laughs> it's warm. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's about it. Everything else we got. Yeah, yeah. Tea. But- One time we run out of tea. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, that was tragic. We ain't doing that again. <laughs> Joe and yeah. I like some hot tea in the morning. Yeah, it, it definitely, you know, going solo, hunt planning is so much easier. You know, it again, it's all on you, your gear. You don't have to worry about anybody else's dates. And I think that's the number one reason most guys end up hunting by themselves is they just can't get other people to line out. Yeah, I, I think so too. You know, it's hard to get five or six guys to, to line up and get their days off. And so we, if you do, it's a beautiful thing, you know, and everybody pitches in, but there's a lot of guys only have a couple, two or three days that they can go do this. So, you know, they, uh, they go at it alone. I know several of my buddies that have, you know, 
they've asked to get in our group. They can't get in our group. So they go at it alone, you know? Yeah. Right. And, uh, man, it's, it's tough on them, but, uh, they, you know, they've learned a whole lot and this show's helped them. Our, our show's helped them a lot. You know, um, they, uh, they're better woodsmen and better planners for this because of what, you know, the content that, you know, that we're putting out. Right. You know, exactly. <clears throat> You know, another negative thing or, uh, you know, discouraging thing, too, that's difficult is when you're in camp, there's no one to lie to, brother. <laughs> you know, sharing stories, you know, in the adventure and all of those things. I mean, <clears throat> no, absolutely. there's nobody to lie to, you know. Yeah, there's uh, nobody to talk to, man. No, nah, <laughs> you can make you a Wilson, bring you a volleyball and uh, <clears throat> make you a Wilson or something like that. I, I don't know if I'd do that or not, but I guarantee I'd have to. You, you know me, Joe. I'm, I'm a people person. I got to have somebody to talk to. I might go half stir crazy if I didn't have nobody to talk to for about 10 days. Um, you know, uh, and, and I would lump, you know, there are other things that are tough to do, you know, filming, taking photos, but right. look, you know, right. all of those things are, are easy to mitigate. I mean, these, these dang iPhones we got nowadays, man, I mean, they got a setting on them where you can, you know, have a timer and you can set it up on yeah. your backpack. I've done a lot of different things, you know, to get a photo with me and an animal. And I like that. You know, I like taking a photo right fresh when right. I walk up on him. I mean, there's nothing like that. I mean, you see all these poses and getting 40 feet behind them and this, that. And I mean, those are cool and they look nice, but man, there is just something, man, just precious about well, and they, capturing the and they moment. make it easier these days for guys that are solo to be able to do that sure. they've got like all them selfie sticks and stuff yeah, like that you stick in your pack mm -hmm. but you know uh it is a difficulty being able to film and do photos but it's also it's also a benefit sometimes when you don't have to worry about it you know no, i yeah. mean i mean for example like <laughs> this year when we were filming our hunts and stuff Ooh. when you try to coordinate that and get somebody filming and trying to get the you know the kill on film and not take the shot until then to be able to just relax and not worry about that and just focus on killing yeah, and you, know you got guys' souls coming off and you know, <laughs> all kinds of different stuff that you're trying to manage. You're in the middle of it, and I hear clunk, 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 and I look down, and my soles are coming off my boots, Joe. Yeah, we put so much work in that week <laughs> that I absolutely walked off a pair of soles on some Cabela's Mindle boots, okay? Guys, I mean, these I, are top of the line. Both boots, both the boots, his the soles of the boots. <laughs> Looked like his feet were talking. Big old it mouth flop, flop, flop. Yeah, <laughs> it, I'm got a bull coming into us. I mean, talking, screaming, maybe three hundred yards out, and my shoes are flopping. I'm like, time out, time out, Joe. Time. He's like, time out. There is no time out in Elkin. I said, no, man. <laughs> I got to go. You know, and the, the Venezuelan boys were on point, man. You know, they're. Uh, Manano's got him some paracord and he's trying to lash my soles together and everything. And it worked for about five minutes. And then the paracord broke on all them lava rocks and everything. <laughs> no, and, I, uh, I couldn't yeah. believe, man. You, 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 you look so redneck, dude, trying to walk through oh, the paracord I told him, on I your said, feet. Man, um, pardon my French, but the hell would this BS? I said, man, I'm going back to the dadgum camp and get me another pair of boots. I'll meet you guys up here when it's over, you know. I knew it was going to happen, too. I mean, the bull's hot. You know, there's no way that I was going to get in there and mess that up for you guys. Uh, right. And so, again, 
you know, it, it's about managing your equipment too. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> and all of those, all the stuff, like you said, it goes into filming and all that. I mean, it's it's hard as hell. It, when you it is hard. Guys and, and, and to not worry about it was it's it's a little bit liberating, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, it, imagine it is. Look, there is no doubt. It got harder. It got harder when we were adding one, two. <laughs> three guys to the set i right. mean you got a little harder when i yeah. hunted with you it's pretty simple you know uh or when i hunted just me and chav pretty simple but when you start adding guys to the set it gets complex and, yeah and you got to work through some some issues and there's always if i'm around brother there's going to be an adventure i promise you i'm going to add an area that we always uh that always have to deal with and as a solo hunter it can be it's funny it's both a difficulty and a benefit man because and and i'll just it's conditioning it's being in shape you know the great thing about going out and solo hunting is is when you get done you're going to be in real good condition and and the difficulty is if you aren't in good condition when you get out there you ain't going long it's it's tough like we talked Especially about Especially on that third day. <laughs> it's pretty easy to, <laughs> to bitch up and stay in camp. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you know, yeah, it is, you are wore out, baby. And, you know, we've always talked uh, and, and told people, look, you don't have to look like uh, uh, no Arnold Schwarzenegger, man. That's mm-hmm. not what it's about. Uh, but, you know, I always tell people. No, because round is a shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I always tell people, look, if if you're going to swim the English Channel, you know what you got to do a lot of? Swim. Swimming. Right? And if you're going to hunt elk, you better be doing a lot of walking because yeah. uh, budro, that's what, what you're going to be doing. And, uh, well, and, and especially guys that are not from the, the altitude country. You know, it's, there's just nothing you can do. You can do some high intensity, some hit training and stuff like that to help you with oxygen deprivation. But man, you, you really need to understand that if you are not used to that, you got to acclimate, you got to have a couple days to give yourself some time. If not, it's going to be miserable the first three or four days, especially if you go out there and try to hit it hard. Right. Cause I mean that that bug will get you, and it's it's not because you're out of shape, you know. I mean, look, Luis is in great shape, but almost every year that little bug gets in the first two or three days. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and it's funny, you once you finally get in that rhythm, things get a little bit better. Uh, mm-hmm. I can remember my brother-in-law, man, after a couple of days thinking he wasn't going to make it, and then his body started to break in, and and things got better for him. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you another area that kind of has both side difficulties and, and benefits is that when you're all by yourself, um, you know, being organized with your small gear, your knives, oh, yeah. when you're, when you're gutting an animal or, or your grunt tubes or you're buying those, man, there's nobody to say, uh, you forgot something. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's all on you. It's all on you. You better be organized or you'll leave stuff behind, man. And, but at the same time, you, you don't have somebody to be moving or misplacing your stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, somewhere out there in the New Mexico elk woods is a really nice rangefinder, Joe. Yeah. And uh, I, I've got to, you know, every year I tell myself, put it on this lanyard. So, but then the daggum thing somehow jacks up and I can't get the lanyard out. So then I just end up putting it in one of my bellows pockets. Did you on lose my one BD last year? Fence. 
yeah, I did. Me and Chad. So Chad was on a bull, and we called that bull in. Actually, there were three bulls. We called that bull in, and the bull, there was a, a raghorn and two spikes. And the raghorn was walking right in on us 46 yards, and Chad just wasn't comfortable shooting that far. Uh, so let down on him, and he kind of boodled on in front of us. And then a spike come in at about 38 yards. But at the time where he was at, Chav couldn't see over the brush, you know, mm-hmm. and I could, I could see over him and everything. So I'm trying to range for him and give him the range and everything. And I'm trying to move him too to try to get him a better window. Right. <laughs> and when I m- went to move him, I laid that, I actually hung it on a little limb right there next to the tree. Cause these bulls were coming to us, you know, we uh-huh. had them called up and they're coming to see man, where's the party? You know, we hear y'all, where y'all at? And uh, they're kind of just filing in front of us. And there's a whole pile of elk coming out of the woods. And uh, I just hung it right there on that little knob. It was, we were on our knees. And then I had to make him stand up because we had some brush in front of us. And uh-huh. like I said, when I moved him, I just left it hanging there. And again, nobody to blame but my own self. You know, we got into chasing them boogers after they got on past us to try to get him a shot. and It just didn't work out. Right, right. <laughs> but again, you know, uh, it's just me and Tab, and I ended up misplacing something on my own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? it, so being it, it organized happened. and, you know, using your, your brain is. Uh, year before, Chab did that with his rangefinder. He did. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's yep. going to get rich up there finding all them rangefinders now <laughs> I tell in you. an undisclosed area. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would say the last area, I, I'll hit that last. Uh, uh, area that I would say is a difficulty when you're out there solo is, it, well, it's not a difficulty. It's just kind of one of the burdens is that all the costs is on you. Yeah, you know, yeah. when you have a partner or you go with multiple guys, you guys can split a lot of things when you travel a long way. You can split gas and guys yeah. can bring different pieces of equipment and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, when now you're not going to need all that much, it is just going to be you and it depends on how extravagant you want to go. I mean, you can live off peanut butter and jelly and bologna and cheese like we did, and it don't cost all that much, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but those costs are all yours. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be it for our uh, difficulties and benefits of, of the, the solo hunter. And, and next week, y'all, we're going to, ha- we're going to talk about plans for those various aspects of the solo hunt to help you to be ready for those so that those difficulties are overcome. And then the following week, we're going to talk about solo hunting and calling strategies. And, uh, and I sure appreciate y'all bearing with me because <coughs> I, I know I sound like I done swallowed a frog or something over here. No um, problem, Joe. Such <laughs> good content for what's coming up. I mean, look, today, today at five o'clock was the last time that you could put in for the New Mexico draw. That's right. So all these states are going to start filing in with their draws and everything. So guys are going to have to start making their plans. Uh, this will be on us before we know it. This coronavirus will be a thing of the past, and we'll get back to business as usual here in the good old USA and get to chasing some of them big boys here in September. Well, I tell you what, that'd be nice, man. That'd be nice to get rid of uh, some of the stuff that's going on right now because, boy, I tell you, uh, life is just a little bit crazy right now. It really is. And our prayers and our thoughts and prayers are go out to all the people that are, you know, that are Having affected to deal with this. this. Yep. You know, Absolutely. Uh, it's some really crazy times in our, in our country and, uh, in our state, uh, in various states. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
Um, we were talking about this just just a few minutes ago. I mean, not a case in West Virginia. What's up? They drinking all that moonshine over there. In West I hope we get somebody that'll that'll kick us an email or a shout out from West by God Virginia and let us know how in the world has the coronavirus not escaped. You know, y'all escaped all of that because <laughs> them um, boys don't put up with no Corona over there. Exactly. They don't, they don't drink no. Corona. They don't drink Corona. They drink <laughs> apple pie moonshine, baby. Yeah, there you Go. Or some ch- big cherry bounce, you know. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's probably thwarting all of that. So we're gonna go to our Elk Bros mailbox next, awesome. and uh, up first, when we're talking about people in our country, up first is Derek Baker from Oklahoma. Derek is in the <clears throat> Air Force, but Derek, thank you for your service, man. And uh, yes, sir. he says, since I'm in the military, I can hunt on Fort Sill, which has a huge area just south of the Wichita Mountains Wildlife yes, Refuge. Now, you notice how these military guys can say where they hunt because only they can hunt on it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I've been scouting over three oh, over there several days and never have any problems locating elk. Having access to such a large area with a good elk herd and at a cost low enough that I can start elk hunting this fall makes me really excited. There are some special rules for the hunting area, though, that don't allow me to do some of the techniques you guys talk about, such as no silhouettes or decoys and no trail cam. Uh, anyway, Derek, so you, I'll tell everybody, I, have, I don't even own a trail cam, uh, so I've never used one. My concern is that when hunting season comes around, I'll be able to locate elk but not able to get them in close enough to get a shot with my bow. Any advice on what I can do to get them in close with just calls and scents? I'm afraid they won't come in that last bit if they don't see an elk when they're hearing and smelling one. Oh, man. Uh, thanks for the great co- podcast. They ain't been called a whole lot on that daggum military no. base, brother. I'm going to tell you right now. As soon as you fire that cow call up, get good with a good diaphragm call. <laughs> Uh, and I'm telling you, they're going to try to run you over. Uh, they don't have to necessarily. I mean, Joe, this was the first year that we really used Use decoy. that decoy. Yeah. We've used some of the Montana fold out, I mean, for a few years. But how many right. you, you hunt out of your life that you did not use an elk decoy? Right? No, I mean, that your bull, um, uh, what's, I don't know, like eight years ago. Yes. And, uh, and that bull last year was actually the first bulls that we probably killed with the decoy. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the way that ultimate worked last year. Man. It's going to definitely be in my arsenal. Solid. But, uh, I, the big thing though, Derek is, is to make sure that you use the techniques like we're talking about. You got to use, uh, and I talked to my, I, I, I actually, I sent some emails and asked him about his terrain. He's got rolling hills. He's got some thick scrub. He's got, um, uh, you know, some areas where there there are some trees. They don't have the big tall trees and everything mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. but they do have that thick brush. And and um, the idea, bud, is you've got to use that terrain so that those animals have to come in to a certain distance to be able to see you. You don't want to put yourself where you're looking at an animal 200 yards away calling and, and, and they're trying to see what's calling them. You've got to use depressions. You've got to use thick brush so that that animal has to come in to your shooting distance to try to see where that cow is or 
the bull is that's challenging them. And you want to throw those calls behind you. You always want to make them think that the animal's further back than what they are. And so they come sure into your shooting range. Right. Make, and as far you gotta as, use the wind. Yeah, sense. Don't worry about sense, man. Yeah. We're trying to, you want to make sure that the wind's always in your favor so that they're never smelling you. All right. Mm -hmm. So it's not sense that we're using it. That's kind of a whitetail tactic that they mm -hmm. use on different things. But yeah. with elk bud, all we're doing is we're using the wind always, 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 always in our favor. And, uh, and understand if you listen to some of the things that we've said about scent, how a bull will try to a lot of times circle to get to the downwind side. So to use that to your advantage, but it's all about using terrain, about using the, uh, the the brush and the trees around you the thickness of an area if possible and now if you're if you have an open grass area you can still find rolling hills where you're down below where an animal actually has to top out to be able to see what's down in there okay yes. so uh that is what i would tell you as far as your advice to get that animal close yeah I, and again I don't know how much elk hunting's done on Fort Sill, but they probably hadn't been a whole lot of calling done. done oh, there. man, I think you're in high cotton, buddy. <laughs> man, I want to see some pictures, Mr. Baker. I mean, golly, that's some, that may be some virgin elk hunting that you're going to be able to do. And, yes, man, sir. I'm telling you, those bulls will you catch it around close to that equinox and yep. where they're fired up. It's going to be a little warmer in Oklahoma. Buddy, so. he sent me a picture of some uh, sheds he's already picked up. And that boy's going to have some fun. That's and, uh, awesome, and, and And, you know, Derek wanted me to tell military guys out there that you do have great opportunities at a lot of these bases for some uh, great hunting of different kinds and that you ought to look into that. More you guys get involved. In fact, um, I just stuff. had some guys uh, – right here uh, from our Air Force Base in Clovis, I believe, Holloman. It was Holloman Air Force Base. There's uh -huh. a group hunting out there. Big shout out to Holloman, guys. And, uh, yeah. and there you uh, go. those guys are out there, and, and they're hunting all kinds of critters. Uh, they do muzzleloader, bow, rifle, and uh, it's a great opportunity. So uh, big tip of the hat for all of our guys in service that are doing that, and Glad to have you listening and hope you guys are taking advantage of that. Up next is Alex Fedowa. And uh, Alex um, has sent in a question. And Alex, I'm not going to have a big answer for you, Alex. And, and, but I get to, in, in not giving you a great answer, uh, I'm going to explain why. He says that he's a newbie at elk hunting and he's learning a lot from our podcast, which is awesome. He says he asked some questions if we would be willing to answer them. He says, I'm making a trip to Colorado OTC hunting. Awesome. Great state yep. for it. I yep. plan on hunting opening weekend. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all. First week of September, I've e-scouted spots with food sources, north-facing slopes, water, and drainages. Dude, you're doing your homework. You're doing what you need to. I guess I'm looking for a seasoned guy's info on elk hunting that time of year. I have four units picked out. Maybe y'all could recommend a certain unit. Uh, thanks, guys. Love the podcast. So first of all, um, it, it would be uh, horrific for you, bud, for us to recommend a unit to you, especially on the air. Uh, and uh, uh, because it would fill up because other people <laughs> would start going to that place. The other thing is, is we really don't want to be 
held responsible for the success or failure of your hunt sometimes. So we're, we're real careful of, about telling people where to go because, you know, you go there and say, God, dang, those guys, man, they screwed me up, put, sent me to the wrong place. But yeah, and, and Alex, if I, if, if I could, could say something, you said you're looking for a season guys info on elk hunting that time of year, man, go back to some of our first podcasts exactly. where we came out with this. Cause dude, the content that's in those first podcasts, just go back to YouTube, you know, go, man, go to our shot placement podcast. It's one of the best podcasts we've ever done. Joe does a fantastic job of showing where we want to strike that animal. Uh, and, and we have and, a lot of podcasts on early season. Hunting, scent, right? I mean, calling, you name it, how to get in close, how to close the deal. For pressured I mean, areas. Yeah, exactly. pressured areas. Uh-huh. All of that stuff, man, is covered in our previous podcast. So, Alex, get in there and start listening as much as you can. These are unbelievable season guys that can tell you, you know, that's when we hunt. We hunt that time of year. So No, you're you're hunting the exact same time that we yeah. hunt, Alex. Um and uh you know, you're you're in that pre-rut to rut period yeah. when bulls are are still kind of measuring each other and they're just starting to think about herding up some cows and it's a it's a real dynamic stage that's happening there, especially 10 days before the equinox. Um so about the 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 10th or 12th to the 22nd in that phase is is really a great time right in there if you're a little earlier than that um you've got to work on things that are going to bring bulls to other bulls because that's kind of they're still kind of bachelored up at that time but like gilbert said go listen to some of our earlier podcasts because we really discuss a lot of that Uh, if you have any more questions even more specific or if it's something that you need a phone call or something just uh, send another question to us, send your phone number. We'll give you a yell, man. Okay. Yeah, man. If you've got four units picked out, go to, go to t- some of those towns that are real close to those units and go, go in some of the area sports shops and talk to the guys that are around there, man. Yep. Those guys are a lot, you know, especially bow shops. I mean, uh, outdoor shops and stuff like that. They're real eager to talk to people. You know, and you can call them on the phone and you don't have to go there. I mean, if you're not living there, you don't have to go there, but just, you know, bump them and see what kind of information they can give you on those four units that you picked out. Yes, sir. Um, Our next question comes uh, from Felipe uh, uh, Perez uh, from Miami, Florida. I wonder if he's one of those Flagami guys or, (laughs) you know, know, but I like where he lives, Miami in the house. Yes, sir. Miami. He says, after listening to the last podcast about locating elk at night, I started to wonder what would be the best way to get close. Or how would you handle a situation <coughs> where how would you handle a situation where you have found a bedded bull? Do you approach slowly or do you wait for them to move? Besides getting downwind from them, what would be a good tactic to finish the deal? So great, great question. It's a real good question, man. So uh, I, I would just tell you, Felipe, there's a lot of different parts of this in, in some sense. Like when we're talking Listen at night. Listen up, Felipe. You finna get some wisdom. <laughs> if I locate one at night, bro, um, that bull's not bedded. That bull, if I'm locating at night, um, early morning. Now, if I locate it at night, he's down to a feed area. I know where he's at. I'm going to get there early in the morning, an hour, two hour before daylight and locate that animal in the same area. Um, that bull is not bedded because he's not gotten to his bed yet. 
he's actually going to be moving to a destination. So I am, the first thing I'm going to do, as soon as that bull tells me where he's at, I'm shutting up and I'm cutting the distance immediately. And I'm trying to get within a 200, 100 yards of that animal and start working that animal to be able to finish the deal. And it depends on what he is doing and how he reacts. So the first thing I'm going to do is I always, I always start with a cow call. I'm just going to put one out there and see if that guy answers up. If he lets me know where he's at and he gives a yell and he's close, I'm already now looking for a, a way to set up. Now I want to make sure that I don't you know, uh, I got to be careful when I give that call out, because if I do it before I have any daylight, you're risking that animal getting on top of you before you're in uh, shooting time and period. So that's something you have to think about. But that's what I want to do is first close the distance on that. And again, we, we talk about that. In fact, the last podcast. Yeah, even I better than you seen, Joe. What's that? Even better if you can put eyes on it. Yeah, definitely. If I've got eyes on him, but you, you've got to be careful, man. You're working the wind. You're getting in. You're cutting that distance. And if they're moving and feeding, you have a good chance of seeing them ahead of time. I've had lots of times that I've done that. But uh, a lot of times I'll just get in there. <clears throat> I'll wait and I'll listen. If he sounds off and if he's sounding off, I'm going to just shut up and let him do his thing. And I'm going to continue to work the wind and get in position and looking for what I need to do and make judgments off of what I am seeing at that point. If I can get in and move in and see that he's with cows, uh, then I might, if he has actually cows with him, then I'm going to change my strategy a little bit. Instead of me talking to him, I'm going to try to invite his cows over to me. And uh, I might try with a lost cow. Uh, I might even try uh, doing a little roundup bugle and see what that does to him. I'm not going to do anything that sounds real intimidating. Basically, a roundup bugle is me telling his girls, hey, why don't y'all come over here and see if that really ticks him off. And then I'm going to read what happens from that point. And, and that situation could go a multiple different ways for that to happen. Now, I'm going to jump back. You said to a bedded bull. All right. Now, if you come and you know and you have seen a bedded bull and you're talking about, do I try to sneak up on him? Well, dude, a bedded bull is a dreaded bull because <laughs> that bedded bull most of the time is in a situation where he's dead still and he's watching and he's looking for any movement. And so he can see anything. He can see a gnat fly. I mean, exactly. seriously. Exactly. He definitely can. So what I would like to do with that guy, if I've got wind in my favor and I'm on his level, I'm actually going to try to back off a little bit into a situation where I can try to uh, start sounding like a bull with a cow. I would actually start with a cow call and I want to get in a situation where I can no longer see him and he's not able to see me so that that animal, I want to try to find a nice little area that's kind of tight, what I call a tight setup, meaning that that animal has to either come through something, over something in order to see this other bull or this other cow. That's a tight setup so that they have to give their body into my shooting range to be able to see who or what I am. You can all you can try to stalk this animal in his bed. Uh, it might be fun to try to stalk him, but that's going to be a difficult uh, road right there. I would, especially if he's got cows, because he's got way more eyes 
oh, if he has cows with him, there is no way I'm attempting that. I'm, yeah. I, I'm actually staying back and I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to try to bring him over because if he's bedded and his cows are bedded, I'm in high cotton because that bull. He ain't going cow, nowhere. He ain't going nowhere. Not till they get up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they get up. He's going to get up. Right. So I have the opportunity to actually sound like another cow and a bull. I'm gonna, that's where I'm going to start making those little glunks, those huffs, those groans. I'm not going to do a bugle. I'm going to sound like a bull that's working or tending a hot cow. And mm-hmm. listen to uh, one of our earlier podcasts on that. Uh, there's going to be more on that as well. But But that's what I want to do. I want him... I don't want to challenge him so he gets his cows up and goes running off. I want to sound just like with some of those low uh, vocals, those huffs, uh, those pants, the glunking, and I want to sound like a cow every now and then. Uh, and if I sound like that bull that's do it, that's got that hot cow, I guarantee you that son of a gun's going to get up to come check oh, yeah. it out. Okay. Yeah, you know I can't stress enough. Uh, I can't stress enough the ability to move silently into the wind and not make any noise. Um, if you can close the, if that bull's got cows, if you can close the distance and get between him and his cows. Oh, yeah. It's over. If, yeah. If you it's can a, get that to happen. Your, your, your success rate is going to go through the roof. You know, Chav and I walked, walked. I'm not talking about eased along. We walked through a herd of elk. I mean, walked through it, all bent over, humped over, just throwing a little calf call, cow call out there. We walked through a herd of elk to get to some bulls. Never spooked anything, right? But it's about, man, being in there with them and understanding. But we were downwind, right? I mean, they couldn't smell us for anything. So at the end of the day. They weren't bedded, though. And they weren't. They were up feeding. Bulls were rounding them up. We saw those bulls up ahead of us. We cut the distance, got in there, and made it happen, right? Yeah. But if you can do that, man, I'm telling I, you right now. But let now, me tell you what, Gilbert, if those if, if those cows are, are bedded down with that bull there. Um, oh, you're done. You better sit back. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that ain't going to happen. And, and I made the mistake because I actually did one time stock in on a bull with cows, mm-hmm. got in between them. And as soon as I cow called, uh, being – coming from an area that they knew that there was no cow and there hadn't been any cow talk. They just got up and boogered out. So that's why I'm I'm telling you. Heck yeah. Back out. Back out. Wait for them to get up and start stirring. Yeah. And, or just uh, start acting like that bull tending some cows and I guarantee you come over there. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Gilbert, uh, we're, we're at time, bud, man. Man, that went by quick, Joe. <laughs> it sure did. So, so Joe and Stephen and Ryan will try to get to your questions on the next episode. Yeah, next time it'll be Joe. Uh, I guess that's Emmons and Steve Sanders. Steve yeah. Sanders, I, I had a real good friend named Steve Sanders. That's so funny, man. Right. But uh, we'll get Joe and Steve next time. Man, that's fantastic stuff, Joe. I mean, it's been, you know, all of this is going to help guys as they go through and understand that solo hunting can be very challenging, but but it can be very, very rewarding, you know, and Joe's, uh, Joe's giving you guys some, some of his finest, uh, his finest techniques and what he's done over the last 30 plus years. And, uh, I mean, where are we at Joe? 36 out of 37, 35 out of 36. (laughs) I mean, 
Yeah, it's, I, it's a pretty been, solid number. Yeah, and this is all public land stuff, guys. You know, Joe guides on one of the most one of the most premier ranches in the country. And look, I mean, at the end of the day, he sees tons of bulls, but he's also hunted his whole life at you know on state property, state land, and killed a bull. Like I said, thirty five out of thirty six years. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, that number keeps growing, but it, it's 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 thirty four <laughs> out of the last thirty six years. Oh, okay, thirty four out of yeah. thirty six. Well, yeah. look, I am an elk hunter. I will tend to embellish some things, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's an impressive number. This is really good stuff. Great content, Joe. Well, I can't wait for next week's podcast. Yep. Uh, I want all of our listeners rem- remind them all that if you like what we're doing, please rate and review us. Go on Apple Podcast. Uh, on YouTube, please uh, rate and review us. If you have any questions, please send them all at info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. And uh, we'll definitely uh, get you on the show. You know, I like to say this all the time, husbands, hug your wives and wives kiss your husbands, but y'all might want to Y'all might want to put some hand sanitizer on them lips. Um, And at the end of the day, please hug your babies. Keep your broad heads sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. (laughs) Six feet apart, y'all. Peace, peace. Absolutely.